0: We all have a creative part of our brain, whether we use it or not. For generating new ideas, problem solving, and just viewing ourselves in this world. I am Ricky McEachern, an artist living in Chicago, and I am eager to know and share with you all how people of a creative leaning have brought this way of thinking to the forefront and how it has shifted outcomes. On this episode of Eager to Know, I have pulled together the highlights from my conversations with songwriters. Enjoy. And if you haven't already, be sure to explore all six full episodes of these past guests. First up is artist Paul Hamilton from the Eager to Know episode titled
1: The Spirit of Sound. I actually smell some sounds and I see color. Letters and notes are a specific color. So A is always red, like the red in your plaid shirt. It's, it's bright stop sign red, or like the red on that. Um, uh, B is always orange. C is always yellow. D is black, et etc. et cetera. And so when I see those notes on the actual musical stay, they also have that color. This is only in regards to like reading music, but when it comes to hearing music and playing it, it's completely different. And that's like three-dimensional shapes that I see in my head, especially like string players and wind players. Those, the shapes of the sound mm-hmm. are, they literally look like three-dimensional objects. I, I, I sat at my piano a couple of summers ago after having really have worked with this group, and I sat at my piano and I said, I don't want to play music anymore. I'm going to play sound because... People don't generally understand music. Like they don't care that it's this piece is an E flat and that you know the clarinet is transposed. It's a B flat instrument, or this is a triad based on blah blah blah, or the meter. They most people don't relate to that, but everybody can relate to sound. We have a a senior citizens living center and that's local, and we'll have a rehearsal of about four to six musicians, and it's a wide variety of stuff we might do a song from the 30s a song from the 40s then a classical piece then you know my bonnie lies over the ocean so we're doing songs and music that will be from each roughly each decade of a person's life that say is now 75 to 80 years old we'll have like a cellist a pianist we always have a pianist on the gig Um, a guitarist singer and a flutist that will be one combination then we have a short performance of about 45 to 50 minutes with these patients one patient he didn't remember the performance that we had had and it had only been about 10 or 15 minutes and so i looked at his daughter and i said let's ask him how he feels and so i saw him that day i said hey how you know how's it feel how's it going today he says oh great i said how do you feel on a scale of one to ten he says like a nine. And I just looked at her and I said, there you go. Like it's an afternoon and you're with your father and he, and for him, from his point of view, he feels like he's a nine. That's how good he feels. Whether he remembers the performance or not, that, that, uh, that pleasure response. When you, when you listen to music or, you know, you're going to have, see a great movie that pleasure response that, that goes off in the brain doesn't just evaporate the instant the music's over. Mm-hmm. It lasts in the body. It's released into the body. So those chemicals, he still felt the benefit. And this is, I'm serious about this. This is like profound. That he had relief in his physical body because of the music that he heard and doesn't remember. But he still had the benefit of it in his body for hours. Sound helps us feel Music works on an intellectual level, especially for musicians. Like when I listen to music, I listen to it musically sometimes. And, but when I want to feel something, I listen to the music that makes me feel good. It's as simple as that. Well, what was wow. it, B.B. King, that said, if you want, if you're feeling sad, go listen to the blues or listen to something that's sad and it'll make you feel better.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: when we share information, we become familiar with each other. Mm-hmm like you and I are doing now. So that's what we do as musicians. And when you've got comfort around that process, then you've got just, you get the best of the best Mm -hmm. music and it's wonderful for everybody. Why shouldn't there be pleasure around what we're doing? I know I'm describing something that maybe sounds obvious, but as a classical musician and a lot of musicians, we learn in university to be very task-oriented and Mm goal-oriented and to me that kind of music making it takes a feeling out of the music it becomes the it becomes about the person one person's view of how all the music should sound so for example in this in these rehearsals for this last job i was on i said we're going to take up space when 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 a person's soloing let's think of it as taking up audible space when they realize that there's now everybody else is giving space that that person feels welcome to take up the space, the audible space, like when you're going to have a bass solo or a vocal solo. And so I'd say, instead of, instead of saying, Hey, Cherie sing loudly here and everybody else sing pianissimo or play pianissimo. I said, at this point, we all want to allow Cherie's to take up space. And so everybody automatically adjust yep. all the dynamics. So there's a lot of, All of that stuff becomes built in and it's based on everybody listening instead of one person, me, the quote unquote musical director saying, and having to just map out every song. Yeah. This is what we're going to do. No, it's now it's up to everybody. And so now it becomes not about everybody managing what my directive, but it's about everybody using the natural skills that music allows us, which is being able to create on the spot and use our ears and our eyes and being aware of the other music makers in the room. And so all of the the music was dovetailed and beautiful. Even those beautiful little details like that, everyone was paying attention to and everyone felt a part of it. So it's it's wonderful to make those connections.
0: Pete Barker from the episode, Our Minds Work.
3: There's these latent things in all of us, right? So um, there's things we want to say. There's things that bother us. There's things that cause us panic and anxiety or, you know, f- fear, hatred, whatever. Um, they're sort of just always boiling underneath. Mm-hmm. So it always just takes a few chords to kind of pull them out of you. And then if you find yourself just uttering, you, you just utter like one phrase over the chords. You're kind of like, that's, that's exactly it. Music makes me happy. Um, and so I, pl- I, I do play it when I'm happy. Um, so it's it's not just something that I kind of look to when I'm when I'm sad. As far as, you know, what am I going to pull from? What are these feelings that, you know, are boiling under the surface that these cords are going to pull out? Um, a lot of those come from um, a lot of my own struggles, which, you know, with mental illness and things of that nature. If I have a place to go and say, I want to die, that will always lift me up. And I feel like you usually get cut off from being able to to put an emotion like that into the world. You know, like if you go to... Even if you go to your shrink and you say, I want to die, um, they might be like, oh, hey, 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 you know, like, calm down, calm down. Um, or if you go to a friend or a family member and you say something like that, you're going to worry them, you know. Um, so, yeah. so, you know, in your average um, societal interaction, you can't sort of come forth with, with information like that. But music will always let you do that. You know, if you listen to old blues singers or whatever, you know, just something that severe like a notion that severe, like, like I'm so unhappy I could die. Mm -hmm. Um, you're free to say that. And in that there's something very cathartic about that. If you, if you really want to release, um, feelings, you unfortunately have to sort of push them off onto people. You can't, I mean, it, there is pleasure in, in just sort of screaming at the wall, you know, but, um, if you're not being, if you're not being heard, um, I don't think that, um, um, you know the healing is really resolute. Um, everyone suffers kind of to different degrees, but I know that when people are angry, when they're depressed, when they when they dwell on on thoughts for you know endless periods of time, or um, to the point where they're sort of incapacitated, stay in bed all day, things like that. Um, that requires a lot of work. You know um, that's hard work, um, and I know that people who suffer know that. So I don't I don't mean to condescend, but yep. but um, you know that's hard work, and if you could find a way to um, refocus um that work um you'll get a lot of a lot of happiness out of that i think and you'll find yourself creating things you didn't even know you know you could that has taken me like years to to kind of do so it's it's not like i could just sort of wake up one day and say i'm not going to be unhappy today i'm going to focus on work instead um so it's very much like um a one foot in front of the other process um but you know even just um the the mindfulness of of going oh my God, I'm like, I'm like working my ass off on my own suffering right now. Um, how can I, you know, I'm just going to go, you know, I'm just going to go sing for a little bit, or I'm just going to go, you know, strum my guitar for a little bit. Um, those, those periods, those sessions, um, they will pull something out of you, you know? And I think that once you find the pleasure in that, you'll kind of go back. It's sort of like the, you know, the being driven by the pleasure. Um, of it all, I think, kind of will put you in that habit more frequently. All the <laughs> Kyle
0: Gregory Price, member of the Lucky Trikes, and guest on the episode Let Go and Create.
2: I like a lot of humor and comedy and music, and I have a sentimental side, too, about me, but uh, I, like, I like things that are jovial. Uh, that's why I work well with children. It's, yeah. but we're, but at the same time, with, with that said, the lucky trikes aren't afraid to be sad. Mm-hmm. We're not afraid to be angry. We're not afraid to be afraid. And so it's not all you know cookies and ice cream all the time with our band. We 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 get emotional, and I think a lot of people forget that they they tend to mask grief. Adults tend to mask grief around children, and we need to be a sense of a, a point of security for them but we also can't be afraid to show them that we feel the same things that they do. And and it's, and then it's okay. Like it's okay not to be okay. Sometimes the one thing that we try to do for children is give them a vocabulary to express themselves. Like, how do you feel? Here are some words that might work so they can emote it so they can like let it go. It's, you know, we a sense of catharsis for them because, you know, as we get older, we're, we're kind of forced to hide a lot of things. Mm -hmm. And, um, I, I I don't. <laughs> I, I tend to wear my emotions on my sleeve. Uh, and that also makes it easier for me to work with children because I let them know how I'm feeling too at a given moment. With, yeah. with, with grace, of course. <laughs> I've met a lot of people who do have innate musical ability who unfortunately aren't doing anything with it. And for whatever reason, they're not doing anything with it. They choose not to. Or they're just, I hate to say this, but lazy. Hard work is definitely... Hard work is what's going to put the record together. I, I I think with hard work that ability will will happen. I mean, if you keep doing something over and over and over and over again, you're bound to get good at it. And that might take people a few years. It might take people a few some people a few decades. But um, you know, I, I think a lot of I I think about s- some musicians and artists who don't get known until they're older, and that might be for a combination of the fact that they just weren't very They didn't have that innate musical ability. I'll I'll word it like that when they were in their 20s or 30s and it all came about when they were in their 60s, 70s, 80s. That's just after perseverance. And I think think ability can become innate with hard work. I feel to a certain degree, for me, there's a certain letting go involved too. Mm -hmm. And that letting go takes practice. Mm -hmm. I'm a firm believer that the music writes itself. And that takes time to really understand that. I I, I, sometimes I don't think I'm the one picking the harmonies Mm -hmm. and the melodies for my piece. I feel that the piece is picking the harmonies and melodies for itself. I'm just the one doing the work. If I may use the word vessel for whatever it is that you might believe in. I, I think trauma helps us let go. I think loss helps us let go. Uh, if you if you read the biographies of a lot of artists, a lot of them really went through some went through some shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether it was war or famine or family issues or psychological issues, I mean, my god, the list is so long in regards to artists and composers and actors who have all sorts of mental disabilities whatever it may be. I myself deal with bipolar disorder. We're trained not just as, as, not just as artists, but as humans. We just got to let go at a certain point. And I think that ability will shine through in our work. I, I'm, I'm a believer in the notion that our work represents our life, art represents life, and it represents an individual's life. The ability to let go is, a, is something you learn through life, and it's not just practicing your scales or knowing your color tones and your hues and and or figure drawing for that matter. I mean, I, I associate doing rudiments and scales with figure drawing where you have to practice drawing a figure, but then eventually through life and through that aforementioned hard work, you learn to let the figure draw itself. To perform what you're composing is... I personally get wrapped up in not just my lyrics. I then get wrapped up in the music that's behind it. And all of a sudden I'm on stage and I'm in front of people. And now I'm wrapped up in the execution of all of this stuff. And that's when I'm going to make some mistakes and go with it and consider it charming. And I like composing separate from performing because it's challenging. It allows me to get to know that instrument. And sometimes the musician, like I'll write for specific musicians too. I'll have them in mind. And then I do keep in mind them as a human. Like, what do they, what are they interested in? I, 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 I kind of have this like, gestalt approach to writing. I wanna know as much about the musicians that I'm writing for as, as well as their instruments. I actually get a little anxiety performing other people's music because I want it, I, that's where the perfectionist comes out in me. And I've actually managed to satiate a lot of my perfectionism. In regards to my own music, but when it comes to playing other people's work as a percussionist, it gives me some anxiety. It's like an actor saying somebody else's lines. You can do Shakespeare and either sound like a robot or you can sound like someone who really cares about the work. At that point, so it's this, it's the same way um, some performers. I mean, like Yo-Yo Ma is a really great example. He'll play the Bach cello suites, and even though Bach wrote the music, Yo-Yo Ma brings it to life.
0: my friend Sammy from the episode actor, singer, and dreamer, Samuel Moscoso.
4: One of the things that makes music relatable is when songwriters write about shared experiences. That's why there, there are so many songs about love, you know, finding love, searching for love, sending love, sharing love. It's, it's such a kind of a universal experience. So, Um, I think when you hear a song that inspires you, that you relate to, your own interpretation is unique to you, even though it's somebody else's song. You know, that's why there are some amazing singers that were interpreters or are interpreters, not necessarily songwriters, you know, like Whitney Houston, amazing interpreter. Celine Dion, amazing interpreter. She doesn't write her own music. And one of the things that I appreciate about Celine is that she's so grateful to songwriters Because she recognizes that they give her something to sing and something to 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 share and to you know the ability to express herself. I had just gone through or was going through a a very deep um, transition in my life, uh, and I needed to do something new. I needed to take action. Um, I knew that I needed to make a change in my life, and I didn't know what that looked like. And so um, I was considering uh, a handful of cities, um, and I landed on. Los Angeles and I packed a bag and got on a plane (laughs) so when I got there I did not necessarily know like I know who I am and I know this is what I want to do and this is what I'm gonna you know I'm gonna set forth which you know in in hindsight you know I, I would I'd like to say that I wish I could have done it differently but I couldn't have you know what I mean you you make the best decision that you can at the time with the information that you have and I when I got there i needed to I needed to decompress and I needed to heal, and I needed to just spend some time listening. So much of my life in Boston was so frenetic um, all the time. Um, I wasn't creating enough space in my life to be creative. I got to l a and I was sort of like, I just need to just sit with this and sit with myself and just kind of meet people and and learn the vibe and you know, just kind of figure it out from there. This book I read kind of just before I moved to Los Angeles. when I was trying to make decisions. The book is called The Untethered Soul by Michael Singer. And for me, I thought I understood meditation until I read this book. And a lot of it talks about observing the thoughts and the voices and the noise in our head, not necessarily acting on them or giving them any um value but just observing um all of these thoughts that just run through our brain and so um for me being able to observe like you said just listening i'm not necessarily trying to change them but observe and understand what's going on within you and taking kind of stock as to as to what's going on and listening you know really think about w- the times in your life hopefully there have been some time in your life where you've felt um the most connected, whatever that means to you, whether it's connected to your art, if you're a creative person, connect, connected to your work, connected to your life, I think I've definitely experienced where I feel like I'm just going through the motions and I'm not really living my life. And unless I don't feel connected to my life, my life is just sort of happening around me. and I'm just existing. Uh, if you find yourself in a place where you are stuck, where you don't know what to do, I think it almost doesn't matter what you do. The point is to do something, is to take action. It means that motivation comes after action.
0: Greg and Danny of the folk rock duo, They Won't Win. Eager to Know episode, Sentimental Gentlemen.
5: Danny and I would bring our song to the day. We would bring two voices and an acoustic guitar and we would play the song for our musicians our our colleagues in the studio our friends and uh and we would say kind of here's here's the emotion of the song here's what it it is about and then we would create some room for play and so and what what we mean by that is we would just say okay let's play this together with that in mind. You've heard kind of the nature of the song, the basics of the song, the the directionality of the song. And then we would play and we would all listen. Uh, it was a very active listening process. There'd come this moment often where the song would kind of then reveal itself to us and we'd say, oh, there it is. Yeah. And and we all felt, it wasn't just me and Danny. It wasn't just our song at that point. It was all of our song because we had just created the sound of the story was ours but that's the sound of the song was something that was
6: absolutely created collaboratively something we learned and this kind of cuts across many of the tracks is we would go we we would be discovering and trying to figure stuff out and then we'd realize that one particular instrument represented a particular part of the story and so there were lots of one-on-one conversations with with Kai on cello or with Ben on piano where we'd say Kai in this story you are the that person trying to get out of this Mm -hmm. or or you are this you you are or even you're part of the scenery so when leaving London imagine that you are the cobblestone streets and the rain falling and we and so so we would give a lot of the time, sometimes it was just technical, it would be play this chord or play this note, but sometimes it was just play this feeling. And we, I guess, learn to just trust each other as a team to sort of allow each musician to interpret what that might mean.
5: Obviously, songs are meant to be heard. It's a, it's a relationship, right, with a, with a creation and a listener. And now that the songs are made, they don't belong to us, right? They belong to anyone It actually makes me want to cry a little bit. It's like they belong to anyone who listens to them and has any sort of uh, reaction to them. The reason I'm crying is uh, recently one of the songs deals with uh, some pretty tough stuff that happened in my life uh, related to some domestic violence. And it was a very scary story to tell for me. But then to have a woman in California who had been passed on this song from a friend and had kind of heard some of the backstory of it. Uh, tell me that this song really touched her and that she was carrying it with her in her heart because she was in a similar place and it, it gave her some hope that she could get to the next chapter. It just, there's nothing more powerful than feeling something like that or hearing something from another human being when
6: you've put yourself out there like that. That's why we create anything, isn't it? I mean, on one on the one hand, we do create it for ourselves, mm-hmm. right? But But- but that 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 really has to only be half of the of the creative experience the other half is other people absorbing what you've created and having it change them in some way not that we have an agenda not that that we're trying to change people in particular ways because we can't control that mm-hmm. but the idea that we can create something that someone else finds beautiful or thought-provoking or deeply even sad mm-hmm. or or cathartic in some way that's I think that's what the human experience is supposed to be I think that's why we're all supposed to be in the world um, to just connect with each other and this is just one way
5: um, to do that we all know there's there's different styles of painting there's very photorealistic painting, there's figurative painting, there's all, all manner of different styles. In the same way, uh, some of our songs, uh, War I will use as an e- example, is a little bit more of a straightforward like, here's a story song. This is an honest depiction of something that happened, mm-hmm. right? Lost at Sea is a little bit more of a figurative painting. It's more loose. It's loose and it's meant to be so that the, the, the listener can go in from all manner of angles and experience it and feel it in different ways, but hopefully with that mood uh, we are trying to convey of the magic of of the sea and being lost and 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 the the beauty of lost love
6: Anne Lamott wrote about this uh, um, in her book uh, bird by bird um uh, on fiction writing that you have to um sort of learn to love the shitty draught you have to um Expect that the first thing that comes out is not going to be even close to perfect, but but if there's something in you that just needs to be out there, get it out there, and then keep working on it, and keep working on it, and keep working on it, because um, eventually, even if it takes a long time, eventually, you you're going to create something beautiful. But but you have to get it out of yourself first. What you create is a
5: very personal is a very personal gift to the world not everyone is going to love it. It is not going to be everyone's cup of tea, and that's a very logical thing if we all think about it, right? We don't all love every single song we hear. We don't all love every single movie that we see. But those songs and those movies are super personal to the people who created them, right? But if we can if we can have that relationship with our art that be proud of it, be be bold in putting it out there, tell your stories, understand that some people will connect with them, right? But it's okay that not everyone connects with them. And that's just part of the, that's part of the world of, of creativity. And I think a lot of people get trapped in the idea of they hear any kind of feedback to the negative and they go into a hole of not wanting to put more out. And it's the exact opposite. Get a little bit closer.
0: Brian Cluchet of Best Man in the eager to know episode titled "No Jacket Required."
7: There's part of me that just wants to sit behind a computer or behind a, a board as as they would say, like you know, uh, um, and and produce music and and engineer and and create. There is also a part of me that really, really enjoys performing live. When I see people dancing to my music, I know that that can kind of be involuntary that foot tapping mm. or that, that little bit of head movement or something like that. It's not, they're not maybe not necessarily jamming out per se, but I can see that maybe I'm connecting, you know, taking it further than that to, to see people smiling and, um and, and enjoying what you're doing is probably one of the most, uh, one of the strongest feelings because it's immediate. Yeah. Right. You're, you're seeing gratification essentially yeah. like immediately. And I think that that, feeds the energy that's happening. And then you are reacting with your other musicians on stage. And all of a sudden it just becomes this big kind of, uh, this collection of, of energy and emotion between the entire room. And I, you know, there can be some, uh, I guess trite elements of, of saying that, you know, we do this for, for the fans kind of thing. Yep. You know, there's a little bit of truth to that. Yeah. You know, I want to elicit a reaction from people. I, I, Preferably positive. Yeah. And um and I think that uh as as a a performer or performing artist, I should say, that's probably the 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 strongest kind of gratification that you can get is to 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 see it as it's happening. I have seen it in in an aspect which is is a very powerful experience is when you are creating something and you're feeling it, right? And you're you're feeling very positive about it, and then you do push it out there and to not get a reaction or to see the maybe illicit uh, is, is tough. And I, I mean, I can think of a few shows where we were, um, you know, debuting something that we've worked on for a few weeks and, uh, and you're feeling really good about it. And, you know, uh, it's a late night and half the room walks out it might not necessarily been that it was terrible by any means but all of a sudden people realize hey i can go grab a drink hey i want to go have that conversation or something so that's that critique that is immediate that all of a sudden takes the energy away yeah and um and, and i and i'll i'll be truthful it can definitely feel emotional because that's something that you're passionate about and you're you know i, I mean i can only assume that uh that as you become more experienced with that and, you know, that you can tend to maybe brush it off or maybe you never do. Whether you're working at CDW or whether you're, you know, uh, on a garbage truck, you know, if if you're passionate about being creative, it's really important to have that. Some people have it at home and it's their scrapbook collection or something like that. There are other people that choose to share it. And I think that, some people don't understand that when you do choose to sh- share it, uh, for the most part, it could be a very uh, vulnerable experience. yes. and uh, and that's because your passion you want your passions to translate with others because you know, why wouldn't someone else get excited about this thing, right? Sure, or, yeah, uh, and especially when you put a lot of effort into it, um, I think that it's it's definitely important to get some kind of reaction because then you feel well maybe why am I doing this yeah <laughs> you know uh, or why am I sharing it at least I I think that the slightest bit of motivation that you can get when you are passionate about something you know whether it be uh, someone's reaction to it or um, e- e- you know so- someone just gives you a little positive feedback uh, it really has the ability to push you further, I think. And it might just be the the slightest little bit. But for me, I think that's the most that tells me that it is something that's important to me. It's because, you know, all I need is a, a little bit of feedback pretty- or a little bit of positive reinforcement. Yeah. Yeah. And it just really propels me. There was a, a large group of people that came to see us because they had actually saw us at one of our last shows randomly. They did not come to, to see us. And I was at the bar after the show and a uh, guy came up to me. He's like, oh, you know, awesome job kind of thing. I was like, Oh, you know, very cool. Like, who'd you come to see tonight? And he goes, you. <laughs> and I went, really? <laughs> it, it might not sound like much. I was like, wow, that's kind of surprising and cool. And, uh, that, uh, that means that, you know, if I'm reaching in my little sphere, you know, just a few folks, yep. uh, sometimes that's enough, but, Obviously, you know I want to be able to, you know, have the biggest impact that I can, and so you know that those those little bit of um, of those experiences, those little reactions that I have from people, it just has the ability to kind of to lift up a bit and push and and hopefully uh, you know create enough motivation because I think as an independent artist in any field, that that motivation factor is is really, really important.
0: Composer Wellington
8: Laura. I think learning the piano and understanding it and making music and melodies helped to unlock and activate this part of my brain that I never really kind of knew existed and like was like a doorway. (laughs) It was like, whoa, what the heck is that? You know, Um, it was really interesting. I, it's hard to remember moments, but like as a kid, but it's like, you could feel it you know, um, where it's just like you just felt something shift and you're like, wait, something's different here, at least for me. Did you ever see the movie The Matrix? Yes. Okay. So you remember the the code that was kind of fall, the green coding that would fall down the screen? Think of like the green coding as like all the everyday noise of like life. And then I'd see one little code that was just different enough for me to pay attention to. And I'd be like, what? What? like you, you you go in for a closer look like what's in what is that and it's like you know you being told to take the red pill or blue pill or and it's like oh there's something else there something trying to break through to tell send me a message and I think we as people conditioned in the society that we're in we don't really pay attention to these things sometimes and uh, it, it, I guess it broke through enough for me to pay attention to and actually listen
0: Thank you, Wellington. I think something broke through for all of the guys on this episode, and I am glad to be able to share them with you. Be sure to explore all six full Eager to Know episodes for these past guests. My name is Ricky McGuckrin and you have been listening to Eager to Know, the podcast. If you haven't already, please go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Eager to Know podcast.